Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning. I'm glad you found a seat. I'm glad you're here. We are in week two of a new series called Transformed, and I love new series, and I especially love this one. So you heard Josh talk about Life Group and how that we had um, over 100 that went into different homes, went into different classes throughout the week incredible. And then what's really amazing is to hear some of the life change that's already happening because people are investing themselves their time in this transformed series. Well, you know, one of the things about this series is that we've got this book that goes with it. And so our key verse is Romans 12, uh, 2, where it says that uh, for us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And the way that we do that is we've got to change the way that we think. Because if we don't change the way we think, then we will miss out on the opportunity before us. And so here's two things I want to point. If you've got your book here with you today, awesome. Um, if not, uh, here's something for you to take a note of. And in and, and page number Roman numeral six, it says my three-month goals. And so for every one of the, so last week we talked about spiritual, this week we're going to talk about physical. So let me share with you uh, my physical goal for this um, next three months. And that is I want to complete uh, the Murph workout on Memorial Day. So on Memorial Day, we're having a picnic over here at our pavilion that'll start at 11. If I'm laying on the ground, or if you pass me on your way to, to the pavilion that day, uh, pick me up, okay? Um, because the Murph is you do a mile run, and then you um, do 100 pull-ups, uh, 200 push-ups, and then 300 squats, and then you do another mile run. I'm thinking that's where I might lose it, all right? But um, that's what I'm going to do that morning, and then at 11 o'clock, we're going to be out here at the pavilion having an uh, incredible Memorial Day picnic. And so the reason why the Murph is done on Memorial Day is because it's named after a, um, a military man who lost his life over in Afghanistan. And so that, this is uh, something that many uh, people who want to honor the military will do, and so uh, this is, that, that's my physical goal. All right, and then the last thing I want you to know about these books is if you turn to page 220 or 221, and, and guys, don't get sidetracked because the page numbers aren't at the bottom of the book. It's at the side right here. I had to circle it um, because for a week I had the book, and I'm like, man, this is the stupidest book. They didn't put page numbers in here, and then I realized, you know what? I'm glad I didn't say that out loud uh, because the page numbers are right there on every page uh, just like you would expect and so on page 220 and 221, there is a self-assessment. And what I would encourage you to do is take that self-assessment and um, at the end of this series, take that self-assessment again and see if you've seen any growth, see if you've seen any spiritual transformation. Well, um, today I'm going to talk to you about that physical health topic, all right? And so when it comes to physical health, there are a couple of things that we need to know. You know, last week I shared with you seven uh, spiritual habits that, that we, sh if we want to experience um, 
transformation, these seven spiritual habits are things that we need to, I said must, practice, not it'd be good to, it's, it's something that we must do. Well, when it comes to uh, physical health, I want to share with you a, 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 a verse from uh, the book of John that says this, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along. You see, our soul is attached to our body. This happens at conception, and the Bible tells us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That's the promise we have um, as a Christ follower. But here's what I want us to understand is in, in this verse that tells us that I pray that you'd have good health because um, the reality is that your health will determine and affect your spirituality. Now, y'all have seen them Snickers commercials, haven't you? Where, where you become a different person when you're hungry and then they give them a Snickers and they're back to normal. Well, you know, it's the, the truth of the matter is that our physical health will determine our spiritual health. Because there are times where you open up God's word and you try to read it and you fall asleep. Or there are times where you want to get up early and spend time with God and you can't because you're dead tired. And so the reality is that our health affects us spiritually, both in a good way. If we have good health, we'll have more energy to do these things or it can affect us in a bad way. It might, you, you might be a walking, talking Snickers commercial. And here's the reality, that anything God wants to do through you, he's gonna do through the body that you have right now. And so if your body's holding you back, um, and, and so I don't wanna scare anybody. I'm not here to sign you up for P90X. I'm not here to convince you to join me for the Murph. Matter of fact, um, I'm hoping you forget I said that and don't ask me about it on Memorial Day. Um, I, I'm here to tell you that uh, anything that God wants to do through you, he's gonna use your body your physical manifestation of your soul. And so if that's the case, let's take a look and see what God's word says about our bodies. And the first thing is this, um, that my body is God's property. My body is God's property. Now, has anybody ever heard of the saying, drive it like a rental? Anybody guilty? of driving a rental car worse than you take care of your own vehicle? All right, there's three of us that are honest in this room today. Um, here's what I want you to know, is that sometimes we drive our bodies like a rental. We treat it like uh, it's not really ours, and we certainly don't treat it like it belongs to the creator of the universe. And, and we kind of in, endorse that saying that, that we pastors use on a gravesite, and that is ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And we convince ourselves that because we're going to end up that way one day, there's no reason to really go out of our way. But what I want you to understand is that the Bible says this in Psalms. It says that you were created. It says, and, and the psalmist is saying this, every part of me was created, and you put me together in my mother's womb, the conception and I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, it's interesting when we see that word fearfully, a lot of us think, and especially when you see it in um, a Bible, uh, you think that, man, why would we wanna serve a God that scares us? 
That's not what either in the Hebrew or in the Greek, when we see the word fear, what that fear means is a deep respect, almost all. And it just so happens when they wrote this or they translated it years ago that they used the word fear because that was what was, the, probably fear meant something different than we use it today. And then when it says wonderfully, it, talks, it means that, that we are uniquely made. Do you know that there's not any, even if you've got an identical twin, you're not just alike. You may look alike, but you have different fingerprints. You have a different DNA. You have different cells. You know, we've got skin cells, blood cells, brain cells. Well, <laughs> moms and dads, if they're not 25 yet, they're still growing those brain cells, okay? At 25, that's all I got for you. Do you realize that our bodies completely change over every seven years? See, those cells are reproducing. And as we deteriorate because of what we put in our body, the way we treat our body, when it makes itself over again, it's not nearly as good as the first time. Have you noticed that a baby's skin is different than my skin? Why is that? Because that's in its first iteration. And then as we get older and as we expose it to toxins, as we expose it to the sun, as we expose it to different things, our skin changes. And, and some of us develop these things called wrinkles, all right? I know I'm probably the only one in here that's got wrinkles, but um, I, I notice them in the mirror on my eyes. I notice them if I uh, look down in the mirror on my chin. Um, you know, I see them everywhere. But the reality is that our body belongs to God, and God made us special. He made us uniquely. The second thing is that God expects us to manage our bodies. Now, uh, there's a, a pastor that I, I love, and he says it this way. God has, has three things that you're going to go through on this life. Number one is he's, it, life is a test, life is a trust, and then life is temporary. You, you guys realize you're not getting out of this life alive, right? I know that's not like a little bit morbid to talk about um, on an exciting day like today, but the reality is this, that none of us are going to get out of this alive. And so what we need to understand is, and, and we hear what the, the, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, that is, I will not be mastered by anything. So in 1 Corinthians 16, it says that I will not be mastered by anything. Why? Well, I'm going to give you three words. Number one, profitable number two, powerless, and number three, prohibited. So let me talk about those. First of all, we are supposed to do things that are profitable for our body, for our soul. What does that mean? Profitable means that it, it builds up. We add to it. Not only do we want to do things that are profitable for us, but we want to do things that are profitable for those that are around us, our family members, our friends, our coworkers. That's, as a Christ follower, what we're supposed to do. But, but sometimes we do things that make us powerless. And, and what the Bible says that in, in 1 Corinthians 16, it says that all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. And so there are things that we do that hold us back. In Hebrews, he says to lay aside every weight and sin that slows you down. 
Now, it's easy for us to, um, as Christ follows or somebody who, when you think about the church, we talk about that word sin, but there's a lot of things that we probably think are sin that, that that's not what the Bible says but it's not something that's profitable to us. It's not something that builds up and edifies those around us. It's not something, well, it's something that's permissible, but not profitable. And what that does is it kind of takes away the power that, that we've been promised. And the last thing on these three words is prohibited. These are the things that enslave us. When we do things that are prohibited, something else has authority over us. And we give that authority away. We give that authority to whatever it is. It might be drugs. It might be sex. It might be uh, donuts. There are things that uh, if you drive through Starbucks every day, it might be caffeine with sugar. But the reality is this, that there are things that enslave us. There are things that keep us from living our lives out to the maximum possible. And so the question is, when we look at this concept of not being mastered, are the things that we're doing with our body, is it profitable? Or does it make us powerless? Or does it enslave us? That's a choice that we all make. And I imagine that if you're in that enslaved section, the reality is this, that you don't have to be, that you can be delivered from that. Will it be easy? Maybe not. Will it be worth it? You better believe it. And so we have to make those decisions. Another thing that I want you to share with you about what God's word says about the Bible is that this, that my body will be resurrected after I die. Now, see, that's what gets us excited. I mean, if you're not happy with what you see in the mirror when you, look, you, you got out of the shower this morning, it's okay because one day it's not going to be that one, all right? And I'm not talking about the one that's going to be laying in the, the, the corpse at the front of the church. I'm talking about the, your glorified body, your resurrected body. And when I say this, it's not if it's going to happen, but when it's going to happen. And now if you're like me, you're like, um, I'm ready, God, come back today, Maranatha. But the reality is God will come back when he's ready at the perfect time. And until then, we need to take care of our body. The Bible tells us this, that by his power, God raised Jesus from the dead, and he will raise us also. It's not if, it's when. And the day is coming. Another thing I want to share with you about what the Bible says about our body is this, that my body is connected to the body of Christ. My body is connected to the body of Christ. Do you, the, the, the scripture tells us this, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? When I read this, I think of a tool set. Men, have you ever had a tool set where um, you loaned it to somebody else and it came back and there was a tool in there that wasn't part of the set? You know the difference between Milwaukee and Craftsman. I know that it's red. I know they kind of look like to the, to the novice, but to a, a toolsman, you know, there's a big difference there. And I think that what happens is a lot of us, um, we belong to the body of Christ, but we find ourselves around other things that don't look like the body of Christ. We find ourselves in situations that the body of Christ doesn't find itself in. 
and we forget what tool set we came from, and we forget where we should be, and we forget what our investment should look like. Well, another thing the Bible tells us about our bodies is this. It tells us that the Holy Spirit lives in my body. And if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives in your body. We see in the book of Corinthians, it says these words, don't you know? Now, that's the second time he said this. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's and that God's spirit lives in you? God's temple is sacred, and listen to this, and you are that temple. You are that temple. The Bible gives us a very clear instruction. It says, be not drunk with wine. And I know a lot of us get hung up on that. Like, uh-oh, here he goes. I knew he was going to get to that. Are you going to talk about giving or is he going to talk about drinking? The Bible says that be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, you miss it. We focus on don't be drunk, don't, don't get drunk. And that's not what God's word saying. God's word saying is be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it gives an analogy. Why do you think that they call alcohol spirits? Yeah, because it takes over yours. You see, God's dwelling place when this earth was created was in the Garden of Eden. And after the earth was destroyed, he chose to dwell in a place called the tabernacle that they traveled around in. And there was a place inside that called the Holy of Holies. And then eventually they moved it into the temple that was built in Jerusalem. But here's what happened on the, on the day of the crucifixion. When Jesus Christ cried, it was finished, and he gave up the ghost. The Bible tells us that, that there was a veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. And that veil was eight inches thick. Could you imagine fabric that's eight inches thick? that stood almost 20 feet tall and went 40 feet across. And the Bible tells us that that veil tore in half. Why? Because that was no longer where God resided on earth. Where did he reside? He resides in us. That's where God resides. That's why it's important for us to take care of our body. And, and even to this day, we have an incorrect view of the house of worship. See, we look at this and we, we walk differently, we talk differently, we carry ourselves differently when we walk into this room. Why? Because this is the house of God. But the reality is this is not the house of God. This is just a campus that he's loaning us for a little while. The house of God is right here. The house of God is sitting in each of these chairs. The house of God is gonna leave here today if I'll stop. And if we would think about this house the way that we think about this house, we'd probably make different decisions. We'd probably change some of our behaviors. And here's the reality. Last night, they had a prom here. Uh, the chairs weren't here. They were gone. And there was over 100 kids dressed up, looking beautiful. The place was decorated incredibly. And you know what was going on in here last night? There's a little bit of dancing. And I'm not talking about the kind that King David did. I'm not that good, so I'm not going to demonstrate 
how they were dancing last night. But the, the reality is this, that that doesn't change anything about this building right here. You know why? Because this morning, the house of God walked in. Folks, if this burnt down, we met over in the pavilion, the house of God would meet underneath that pavilion. But it has nothing to do with the pavilion. It has to do with the people that are standing underneath the pavilion. Folks, we need to change the way that we look at the house of God because it's not this building, it's us. And we need to start taking care of it like that. Why? Because Jesus bought my body on the cross and he bought your body on the cross. Now, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but there's a housing market boom going on right now. Houses that, that were worth one amount four weeks ago are worth $50,000 right now. What determines the value of a house? Is it the appraisal? Many of us believe that, that's, that this professional comes in and, and they look at the house and they measure it and they look at the materials and then they write down, this is worth this amount of money. The reality is that it's only worth what somebody will pay for it because they can appraise a house. Matter of fact, our son and uh, daughter-in-law just closed on a house on Friday. They bought the house for a certain amount. It got appraised for $20,000 more than they bought it. Now, that doesn't happen all the time. But the reality is that that they saw other houses of the same size, the same make that was worth $20,000 more. What determines our value? It deter- our value is determined by what someone's willing to pay for us. Now, hey, I'm not putting you guys into human trafficking or slavery. That, that is not my plan, guys. That, that, don't you go and quote that stuff, all right? Don't delete this part out of the, the, the online message. Our value is determined by what someone's worth, what they're willing to pay for us. And you know what? 2,000 years ago, God said, you know what? Ronnie Tabor's worth my son. And he sent Jesus Christ to become a, a baby and live a life just like all of us have lived and to die on the cross for me. Why? Because I did things that didn't measure up to God's standard. God determined that I was worth the life of his son. And I'm here to tell you that I'm not an exclusive product. God has determined that you are worth the price of his son. The Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And it says, I urge you, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you see, uh-oh, we're talking about sacrifices. The problem with a living sacrifice is living sacrifices can crawl off the altar. And the reality is this, that many times in, in, in seasons of your life, you have offered yourself as a living sacrifice, and then three months later, you get yourself off that altar. You're no longer offering yourself. You see, we say no to things that this body wants so that we can say yes to what God wants. The, the, the world has it so messed up. They see us um, and what we stand against. 
And we do a poor job of letting them know what we are for. We're for freedom. We're for uh, living our best life. But the reality is not because I got up here and said this as a pastor, but because God's word tells us that we allow sin to hold us back. We make decisions that hurt us, that hurt our relationship with God. And the verse finishes this way. It said, this is your spiritual act of worship. Oh, you guys are here for a great day because today we are going to see people use their body as a spiritual act of worship in this topic of baptism. Today is a baptism Sunday for us. The Bible tells us in Colossians uh, chapter two that having been buried with him through baptism, we're also raised to walk a new life. Today, you're gonna see a lot of people take that step where they are going to acknowledge, they are going to let you know what's happened inside their heart. You see, there's nothing special about that water. It's not holy water. It's warm today, all right? For those of you who've never been here before, I am notorious for baptizing people in ice cold water. Today is not that day, all right? Praise the Lord for all of you that are gonna get baptized. But here's what happens. Baptism doesn't save us. All it does is get us wet. But what it does do, it separates the lookers from the buyers. It separates the people that are kicking the tires from the ones who are signing the contract. What it does, it tells everybody else, this is what's happened inside my heart. I've asked Jesus Christ to be my savior. I realized I was lost, I'm a sinner, and if it was all up to me, I would spend an eternity in hell. But because of what Jesus did, I accept that. That's it. And then we get baptized. See, the baptism, and this, we don't sprinkle, folks. We're going, I'm going to dunk them, all right? That's the word we use around here. All right, every part of their body is going under that water and that represents what happened to Jesus and his body was put into the ground. And then a couple of seconds or minutes later, depending on which one it is, they're gonna come out the same person that they went in because the heart changed before they ever got into the baptistry. All the baptism today signifies is that they did something right here that you can't see in their heart. Man, you know, um, Augie's here today. His wife just went through open heart surgery a couple of weeks ago. The doctors could see inside her heart. All right, we can't. I, you, I can't pull my mind apart and let you see it. What I want you to know, though, is that God can. And so while we can't, this is us saying, this is what happened on the inside. I want you to get your hands off my chest. Don't, don't pull it apart. Don't cut it open. But here's what's happening. Jesus Christ lives right here. And not in that physical thing that beats. Because all the heart means is it's the center of our soul. You know what? When they, when they talked about that in, in Jesus' day, they were talking about the belly. We don't use that anymore because that, it's not. Heart sounds a lot better. Could you imagine Valentine's Day and, and instead of seeing hearts, we saw like intestines? You're welcome. That was free. 
in the military, they uh, had this uh, thing called PDA. If you grew up in a Christian school or if you went into the military, uh, in the military, when we were in uniform, we were not allowed to express PDA. PDA stood for a public display of affection. All right, so when Carrie would see me out and I'm in my uniform, I couldn't hug her, I couldn't kiss her. I wasn't even supposed to hold her hand. I was supposed to maintain my military bearing. Now, the one time where they would let, they'd look the other way was at promotions and when you came back from a deployment. Well, today you're going to see some PDA. But I'm not talking about public displays of affection, although you'll probably see some of those too. I'm talking about a public display of allegiance. You're about to watch some folks demonstrate that they have given up all hope of trying to get to heaven on their own. And they are relying on one person, and that's Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? And worship team, if you'll come forward. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that, God, you would bless today. Lord, you know the hearts that are represented. And God, you know the family members here that are so excited for the decisions that have been made. And God, we just ask that you would, in a powerful way, continue to demonstrate yourself as we begin to worship you in baptism. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 